Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Greetings, comrades. Sorry for this episode being out early, as this will be the April the 1st episode. See, it's out there because um, I promised you on the last show of the Russian Revolution that I would basically talk about the independence struggles of all the Baltic Republics and more. See, the thing is, those struggles are so complicated and so important that I want to give you a good show. And I can't do it right now. So, instead of that, I'm using my special podcasting tricks thing, and will give you this pre-recorded episode of April the 1st first, so that when you'll get this next episode in April, it'll be the most amazing thing you've ever heard. Because, um, well, we're not in our first five episodes, though, and uh, even though I have heard people who like our first five episodes... I don't believe in that myself, but yeah, I want to give you a good episode, not a crappy one. So I shall be recording them only when I know when I'm completely sure that those episodes will be good. So enjoy this show. It's a light-hearted episode about Soviet science, Soviet mad science, and everything else, which is completely fun and random. And next episode, which is going to be the true episode of our show, is going to be about independent struggles of Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. And I'll mention Finland in there a bit too, and other things, because oh, all this is very weird and complex and not easy for me to do. So please be patient, and I hope you'll enjoy this next episode that you hear. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to a very special episode of my show here. Today I will only be talking in the thick Russian accent, because obviously it's April the 1st. And to join me, well, sometimes not very voluntarily, but we have captured two, two American spies. They claim to be scientists, we shall see what we can extract from them anyways. Because you know, Soviet science, best science on planet Earth. Also, a ton of a ton of a ton of Soviet jokes in this episode, and please don't take it very seriously, because yeah, April the first, we're we're just having fun, and yeah, I like to kick this kick this with one of the one of these famous Soviet jokes to make make sure you understand what's going on, 
Because, uh, see, it's, it's about 60s, and then the Soviet engineers, they, they built this extra cool mega plane of doom. It's like supersonic and like awesome, awesome fuel economy and all these other cool qualities which super cool planes have. It's not important. So, you know, the Japanese engineers just, just drive on, on like, like tourists and throughout to work out some sort of a deal, you know, and they see this super cool plane. So they asked the Soviet government, "Hey, uh, can can we maybe like like purchase this 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 plane like these blue blueprints? It's it looks fucking amazing. We want to build one of those too." So the Soviet Soviet guys just say, "Well, yeah, sure, why not?" So they sell them these blueprints, and the Japanese go back to their their country and they build build everything according to the blueprints, and what they get is is essentially a ship. And then, then they start start figuring out, hey, but something's wrong here. Well, okay, they they go over the blueprints once more. They built everything according to specifics. Like, uh, but and then, hey, well, it's still a, a ship. It's it's a large ship. So they call so they call the Soviet uh, Soviet engineers and ask them, hey, did you, did you just sell us something different? This is this is a ship. It's it's not a plane, really. What's up, guys? So the Soviet engineers just just say, "Oh, come on! Well, of course you get a ship. Everything's all right. Then you take a huge metal file, two boxes of vodka, and start filing." So yeah, magnificent Soviet efficiency. Uh, that was that was a joke about uh, the fact. What's 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 a thing? What's a thing that makes a lot of noise, scratches scratches the floor, and is terribly annoying? It's a Soviet machine, uh, which which is meant to do neither of those things. <laughs> His, uh, Soviet Soviet science and Soviet engineering were um, things to behold and things to marvel at often. And so, yeah, I've I've gotten here David Flora from Blurry Photos, and Chris Cogswell from the Mad Scientist podcast. They shall be tortured, and we shall fi- we shall find out everything they know about my glorious motherland science. <laughs> I believe it's already begun. <laughs> I say, wait, we'll be tortured. That uh, I don't know about be tortured. Are tortured? Nice. Well, I don't know. Uh, this is see. This is the weird thing because recently I, I was when I was preparing for this episode, I watched a lot of James Randi. Because turns out James Rand actually had visited uh, visited us, our region, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, and also during the Perestroika. And uh, I was watching him, and I I read a lot about you know all this all this Soviet psychic research, which we shall get to. But I'd like to start about talking about how it, how it really how it really was like to be a scientist in the Soviet Union. And I. This this part was assigned to Chris. So Chris, please give us some answers and explain the very basic differences between an American scientist and a Soviet scientist, and how Soviet scientists obviously are best scientists on planet Earth. So, at the risk of being tortured and sent to the gulag, I will say that uh, being a Soviet scientist wasn't super great. So, so what if, do you mean? So. Okay, so I think the best example of this is um, is Lysenkoism, which is the work of Tromfin Lysenko, who was a Soviet-era agriculturalist, basically. So he kind of started out in uh, 1928, and so he was at that time an agronomist, which just means someone that works on um, some of the works on agricultural sciences, and what he claimed he had done was he had come up with this technique 
um, that he called vernalization, which basically meant um, you would you would induce seedlings to or you would induce seeds to develop, you know, start flowering early in the season. Something that is has been known of forever. <laughs> like it's that was so he claimed this in 28. It's been known since 50, 1854. Um, and it had been used extensively, right? Like it had, it had always been used. It had been studied, everything else, whatever. But because he was a kind of a good party man, his work was promoted over the work of other serious scientists in the Soviet Union. So um, in around like, say, like the 30s, whatever, right? Really, like his work became the central work of the Soviet Union on genetics, even because he followed this world of genetics called Lamarckism, right? And it came to be known in the Soviet Union as Lysenkoism. And so what Lamarckism said was that um, genetic traits could be changed in the organism's lifetime. So the, the example that he used for this was on cotton plants, he would rip the, the leaves off of cotton plants before they um, went to seed. So before they had or before they uh, re, you know procreated, whatever. So he'd rip the leaves off. And his theory was that pulling the leaves off the parent plants would cause the children plants to be fo- to be born with less leaves, but more flowering cotton buds. Right. So the idea is that you can pass on acquired traits from the organism's lifetime in the offspring. So like the most like like the crazy. Wait, exa- wait, wait, wait. So 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 if I would rip my own arms off. Yes. Does that mean that my kids would grow with four legs? It means that if you ripped your. Yeah. yeah basically like the organ, you know, like Jeff Goldblum in, in Jurassic Park. Right. Like life finds a way like it would it would find a way to fix this. Right. <laughs> So I, I've heard the I've heard the example of uh, a father who is like a workout fiend at the gym. His son would just inherently be strong when he was born. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like it's 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 like kind of a pretty. It's kind of a pretty common thing. Like it's something that people think of even now. Though still kind of like. And in some, and that's the thing is that in some cases it it does have an effect, right? Like the things that you do while pregnant might affect the baby significantly, right? But the difference is that if you, you know, listen to I don't know Coldplay while you're while you're pregnant, your baby's not gonna come out and be like, dude, I love Coldplay. <laughs> like like bro, Coldplay is so good, man. Like that's just not gonna happen. Smoke while you're pregnant, the baby will be immune to it. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's the kind of thinking here that's going on, right? So he ended up getting, he ended up becoming like really impo- well, important. He be- he ended up becoming important in the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. So he eventually was be- became um, the head of agricultural affairs. And he just like straight up hated the people that followed Mendelian genetics. Um, there's a quote that he, he called them fly lovers and people haters because all of their science was on fruit flies, which bred so quickly that you could actually test genetic ideas. Fly lovers. Right. He called like, like fly lovers. It's just the best. I'm going to start calling some of the biologists I disagree with fly lovers and see what they <laughs> see what they tell me. Maybe today I can call them cell lovers. So. The so what ended up happening was they ended up actually putting a scientist that disagreed with him 
into prison, into the gulags, or straight up killing them. And so, um, and even even Lysenko's uh, former mentor was actually uh, imprisoned because Lysenko denounced him later on because things just you know like like. I mean, obviously, his ideas weren't working out. He wasn't creating better agriculture in the Soviet Union. Capitalist and, sabotage. Right. And so people people started being like, maybe this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And uh, it, yeah, it was not good. <laughs> I mean, besides the fact that he nothing that he was saying he was able to prove, like, could they yeah. not find <laughs> Well, so here's the thing, right? Truth it's, is what the party dictates, comrade. That's true. I was going to say, ex- exactly. In, 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 so that's the big point here with this. So so this is kind of what... So what eventually happened with him was... Um, so the reason why he was so so popular to the Communist Party was that he was a peasant from birth. And he had kind of risen up. And he was using agriculture to fight against those stupid eggheads in their ivory tower, right? Like um, Darwin. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, he was a big opponent of Darwin because Darwin, yeah. you know, had Mendelian, well, had ideas of genetics anyways. So, um. Bourgeois pig. Exactly, yeah. Bu- a bourgeois Absolutely. Pig. So, in, uh, in 48, they actually, the, the, the universities of the Soviet Union announced that Lysenkoism was going to be the, the dominant theory for genetics. They were not going to teach Mendelian genetics. They were just going to teach Lysenkoism. And so all scientists working in any field that didn't kind of conform with Lysenko's theories were forced to either denounce it or get thrown in jail. Right? Well, and so... It, it made like, perfect sense. Yeah. So it ended up being kind of... I mean, obviously, kind of a big tragedy for Soviets, for science in general. You know what I mean? To have a whole giant country just kind of ignoring biology for, you know, whatever, 50 years, 50, 60 years. Dude, we, we ignored we ignored freedom of speech and human rights for far longer. <laughs> right. You did. You did. So it's kind of interesting. So and it's still it's so over over the time where. Um, genetics was, you know, a bourgeois pseudoscience. Um, over 3,000 people were imprisoned, fired, or executed for opposing Lysenkoism. Well, see, this, this was kind of a common thread because, uh, like, Soviet rocket science was built in essentially a labor prison camp. A fancy labor prison camp, but, you know, right. if you are the head chief rocket scientist of the country... Then you are constantly living in um, an essentially a very fancy prison with your family being threatened to be shot if, you're, <laughs> if, you, if you fail to produce good enough results. And while I was doing research on this, I, I thought about, you know, chemistry and all this. And I know that, uh, you know, we had this mausoleum. We still, they still have mausoleum in Russia with, with Lenin inside there. Yep. They used to run with, with Stalin too. And I, I'm going to make a special episode about this one point. But the interesting part is that I read into this and right now they do some private stuff besides doing Lenin, they're in a private company and like they have these crime bosses and very very rich people just asking to create like some like prepare for funerals these these important people for large amounts of money so that they look perfect in their funerals or something but it turns out turns out that in the stalin era essentially these guys were just panicking because uh, 
uh, even during World War II, they they had to transport the whole Lenin's body outside of Moscow, then they had to bring him back, and they had to take care of everything so that everything would be perfect. And Stalin really threatened to just shoot them uh, if if something would go wrong, so Lenin just couldn't rot or anything, just couldn't happen to mm. him. Now, what turns out in this documentary is that they, this lead scientist working in this project, they kept everything top secret, not only from everyone else, but also from Stalin himself. Because mm -hmm. as long as they were the only ones who knew how to keep Lenin's body fresh, <laughs> Stalin wouldn't shoot them. <laughs> and it turns out the weirdest yeah. part is... They were using very simple techniques to do this. Essentially, they were just put, they were putting them putting him into glycerine. It was like glycerine to, for moisture and some other very basic chemical, which is like open right. now. And now they do more advanced stuff. But back then, it was literally this: you're you're a young scientist who's who's assigned as a massive privilege because these guys were the really well-paid guys who got all the benefits from the state and could like the state couldn't touch couldn't touch them. Right. So these guys were like in their lab. It's like okay, boy. Uh, you are a young chemist, you're sent there to learn the most complicated shit the Soviet Union has to offer in the field of chemistry, how to protect Lenin's body. Then you come in and everyone takes you aside and says, hey boy, it's actually um, very, very simple, but don't tell anyone! <laughs> or we'll or right. we all die! Right, it's, yeah, oh man. Well, so that's, the interesting thing with, the interesting thing with the Soviet Union, with science too, was that there were, like, really big advantages, like, as as you know, uh, repressive and horrible as the regime was, and everything, um, and I'm only saying that because my captor in this room is has kind of passed. You know, he's gone away quick. He went to go take a leak or something. Um, the the like there were big advances in a lot of fields, right? Um, there were Nobel Prize winners in physics and chemistry from the Soviet Union for uh, mostly for work in like nuclear, you know, nuclear weapons and power and stuff. Um, the other thing that's really interesting is that in in the Soviet or maybe not in the Soviet Union necessarily, but those ideas of like a the ideas of um, like material determinism became really fundamental to a lot of engineering fields, too. Right. So the idea of like what what technology will actually propagate through um, like the political crap and whatever um, comes down to kind of a merging of economics with science that really is engineering, you know? So it's kind of interesting to see still the effects. And then also this... Um, Dude, we were all the, reading science fiction because of this. It was the national genre of the whole whole place. Right, right. Well, there were like, like, there were, like um, there were labs in the United States where, um, for instance, like females just weren't allowed to work, right? And that obviously didn't really fly in a place where the idea of kind of like collectivism and everyone is, you know, whatever, like there were like the idealism in some ways helped further science for underprivileged people. But then at the same time, you were like working in a great lab in a gulag. So it wasn't super great, but you know, so still, it's you know, like we take you get to produce glorious results for motherland or you die. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, we take, we take a step forward we take a step back. I mean, what are you going to do? You have to pick your. You have, you have to pick what you what you want to do. Do you want to do you want to like have human rights or do great science? You, know, you yeah. can't have both. No, yeah, yeah it's one, it's one or the that, other, pretty much. That classic triangle. You can only have two. <laughs> great science, family safe, work for motherland. 
I'm telling you, man. If I, uh, the number of times I've had to make that choice in my career already. God, so so rough. Yeah, anyway, but social so, but social life. Get homework done. Family's dead. Right. I don't know. Right. Pick pick two. Pick two. Pick two. Never pick three. But yeah, well, we're talking about more or less normal science. But yeah, David, let's let's talk about Stalin's own crazy ideas. Because uh, and, and I want to mention this specifically because when we're, when we're figuring out what how to do with this show, David just popped out with an idea which and I consider myself a Soviet expert, and I was like, what? I haven't heard of this. <laughs> I haven't heard of this at all. So, David, go on and tell us about Papa, about the Father of Nations, Stalin's greatest project of them all. Obviously, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, there's some interesting stuff, and it we come by some pretty wild things uh, living on the fringe in in our little <laughs> bubble of uh, a weird podcasting world that we do on Blurry Photos. Um, Part of that, and Christops, you probably have heard of uh, a lot of crazy stuff, but I, I bet there's some, like you know of Dyatlov Pass and everything, which we which we've covered. Yeah. Have uh, there's also like Siberian um, UFOs, like they they're like bowl shaped yeah. cauldron type things that are they yeah I don't know. There's we we did a whole episode on that. There's tons of stuff. Like Russia is just it it is full of all kinds of fun, weird uh, topics through history. One of which, uh, yes, involves our good buddy Stalin. Um, and, and his you can, you crazy can Soviet side. You can just call him Koba, too, because Koba was his nickname when he was just out of his orthodox seminary robbing banks for the communists. Ooh. <laughs> well, I, I thought that was only for his friends to call him that. <laughs> But we're all friends said, of Stalin. I, Who's here not a friend of Stalin? Wait, 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 I've just, whoa, whoa. I've just G-chatted with Stalin. <laughs> haven't, haven't Skyped him. <laughs> uh, anyways, so there was, uh, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna do this in two parts. So just bear with me. Um, there was a real effort to create human chimpanzee hybrids in the Soviet Union in the early 20th century. And uh, this effort was led by biologist Ilya Ivanovich Iv Ivanov. And Kristaps can probably say that correctly for me, but um, specializing in artificial insemination, Ivanov became renowned for his success in horse breeding via artificial insemination. And he went on to prove the possibility of interspecies breeding um, by successfully breeding hybrids of a zebra and a donkey, a rat and a mouse, a mouse and a guinea pig, and an antelope and a cow. So he he successfully interbred these, these species. Now, of course, uh, I didn't find whether or not those offspring could then give birth themselves. I doubt they could. But... <laughs> Uh, he was able to do it. And so everybody kind of was like, oh, this guy, this guy's the guy. Look at this guy. He knows what he's doing. This is awesome. Uh, not, let him do whatever he wants. Not like that Not like that other guy who just cuts a dog's head off and makes it be still alive for oh, a while because of artificial that's for later. ones. <laughs> They're doing that. They're going to do a head transplant, though. Yeah, that comes off of a Soviet like experiments oh, of, of making God. dogs yeah, get no, live. No, no, yeah, that, oh, oh. But yeah, let's yeah, carry I, on. I let's carry it. on with Soviet super soldiers. That's <laughs> right. So, uh, now, you guys, you're going to hear, this is, this is 
edging into legendary town now, you're going to hear that Stalin wanted Ivanov to use those amazing interspecies skills with a Z to create a, quote, new invincible human being, insensitive to pain, resistant and indifferent about the quality of food they eat, end quote. <laughs> so he he wants a super soldier that doesn't give a shit what you feed him, right? Um, and this would come in the form of human-ape hybrids, uh, an army-sized planet of apes to muscle in a new Soviet society across the globe. Now, this is something I'm going to come back to. Uh, so just stick with me on the on the roller coaster fun ride right now. Ivanov did move forward with his experiments to artificially inseminate female chimps with human sperm. Artificially inseminate now. <laughs> After failing with several female chimps, he decided, well, the other way might be the ticket. So he got some human volunteers. 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 <laughs> to agree to attempt uh, insemination with male ape sperm. Right? Now, some accounts say that his last male ape, which was an orangutan, uh, died before he could get a sperm sample. And so the experiments never actually took place. But there are some other accounts that... Uh, say he was able to get some more apes delivered to him, and he did go through with these experiments only to be met with failure yet again. Um, I wasn't able to definitively find which which of those uh, uh, very different paths uh, was true, but I'm sure, I'm sure we could figure it out <laughs> someday. Um, so, uh, in either event... The government got tired of his bullshit in 1930, and, and probably because he wasn't making super soldiers. <laughs> They're like, you've had enough time. Or maybe it was that he wanted to impregnate women with ape. He's whatever. been doing what with those chimps? <laughs> <laughs> we thought it was just trying to get him to play a violin. <laughs> um... Anyways, he was arrested in 1930 and sentenced to five years exile in Alma-Ata in the Great Purge. Is that is that right, Kristaps? Alma-Ata? Yeah. That's, that's how I would say it. Um, and then he died of a stroke two years later. So, now I'm going to come back to, to Stalin's involvement in this, or his supposed involvement. The whole story about him wanting a damn dirty ape army was almost certainly completely fabricated by a tabloid article in, from what I found, a 2003 um, a tabloid article. And then it was retooled by the Scotsman newspaper in 2005. <laughs> and then it, it, it's been picked up by creationist sites uh, as evidence that evolution is a lie and that's where... Wait a this, minute! This... Wait, wait, wait! I have a question here now. Okay. I know this is a leap of faith here, but... Uh, excuse me, how do you get from Stalin, one thing, to ensure a, popula a socialist population and a um, super soldier army of apes taking over the world and conquering everyone with them to the, to, to the fact that evolution is wrong? 
Look, these these are the same people that use the shape of the banana as evidence. I don't know if we're going to get really good. I don't know if we're going to get really good well, scientific rigor here. The, the the very basic understanding of it, I think, is that creationists will say if humans evolved from apes, then you can still breed a human with an ape. Period. Done deal. Can't do it. God wins. So that's why they're saying all these failures with him breeding apes with humans is a win for God and a strike against evolution. Well, how? Um, well, uh, uh, what, what if they just open a basic science textbook, like biology textbook, and read the definition of the term because species? Because it doesn't say the Bible on the front of it. I'm going to say, have you That's... seen some of our science textbooks, Christophs? <laughs> <laughs> They're not phenomenal. Anyways, um, there is uh, one interesting part of it, uh, a, a little kernel of twisted truth to it. Stalin apparently did commission... Maybe Ivanov, someone, I I, it, I also didn't definitively find who, but I maybe Ivanov, to find a way to create a hybrid in order to prove evolution and disprove religion. Um, but like Chris said, the, the Darwinism in Stalin's time is a whole other podcast, Kristaps, that you can cover at a later time. Um, anyways. Well, obviously, yeah, it, obviously it wasn't Lysenkoism, so it was bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, this was right at kind of the same time that that yeah. stuff was kicking up. So, um, yeah, it, it it seems that maybe it was the opposite, that, that he wanted to prove evolution to disprove religion. And now it's been co-opted and turned around to say, well, it didn't work, therefore uh, creationism. So we therefore. have uncovered a great plot, gentlemen. Creationists like New Earth creationists are actually Stalinists in disguise. Congratulations, everyone. Could Pop be. open that champagne. We did it. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Mission accomplished. I, I, so I, I wonder, the thing that always fascinated me, fascinated me with that um, with that story was that his last chimpanzee died before he could get the final insemination to go. That's that's what some of the stuff says. Yeah, it is a right. orangutan. <laughs> and apparently, right, right. I, I don't know, like... Maybe maybe they just uh, have seasons of of uh, producing. <laughs> they must. I mean, must. Had to wait I'm just, and I'm, wait. Like, I'm just thinking of like I'm just thinking of like this really, like this really cool looking you know this really cool looking orangutan with a leather jacket and slicked back hair, you know, smoking a cigar like oh you need me again huh? Ladies can't get enough. <laughs> you know like yes yeah give me two years i'll be <laughs> right, right yeah i'm not a piece of meat ivan <laughs> like do, do, do. you either agree to lysenko or you know where we're gonna send your wife <laughs> right right oh, the orangutan's they... like who needs orangutan wives i wonder if they tried shaving the orangutan first for the lysenkoism benefit like the baby would come out not so hairy <laughs> it's so it's so interesting. Grand unified Soviet theory, man. Right. One of the right. one of the funny parts was uh, apparently they took the the women volunteers and they isolated them for uh, like months at a time, just you know, so that they wouldn't get pregnant by other means. Because they were Jesus. sluts. Yeah, yeah. Because there was so much. That's I'm what sure they there were was alluding so to. So much chance in this. 
pro probable prison complex. <laughs> this horror show complex with these, you know, they, they bring in the orangutan and play some soft music. Jesus. And, and the KGB agent is just standing there in the same room and saying, no, no, go on, go on. I'll, I'll just read the newspaper here. Well, right. So what's, okay, so what's really interesting about this eight-man thing? Because I, so I had, I had first heard about this from Ancient Aliens, like where I get all of my news. Ancient Aliens. <laughs> I, uh, I had first heard of it there, where they did an episode on how they thought that Bigfoot was one of these hybrids. Wow. That big that and so obviously it has to tie into aliens somehow and so it was like that the Soviets had refound um, the ancient plot of the you know the UFOs or whatever that um, what's it that uh, that these these aliens had crossbred us with uh, had crossbred oh, yeah. ancient humans with with chimpanzees or orangutans or. Um, the whatever. Anunnaki, so we could mine exactly, gold yeah. for them. <laughs> right, yeah, so we could mine gold, you know, as we do, I suppose. But but that yeah. makes no sense, so because Soviet Union had a lot of criminals to be sent with pickaxes to mine uranium anyways. Who cares right, about it? Doesn't, it, it, no. Listen, but it, why? Doesn't, it, does, it doesn't add up for the Soviet Union here. But the thing, <laughs> the thing that's really interesting um, with this story is that he actually, so as opposed to Lysenko, who just, like, kind of crapped all over agriculture for 40 years... Oh, no, no, by the way, see, I, I bet that uh, Khrushchev's later plans to just, you know, plow the steps, turn the rivers and turn the rivers around, like the big Soviet southern rivers, Khrushchev had plans to turn them to north, then they, then he kind of got dropped, but Khrushchev literally created a major uh, ecological catastrophe by plowing whole Kazakhstan, all the steppe regions and planting corn there, which then rotted because they didn't build infrastructure to hold it. Then he decided to plant, like, real, like, maize in climates which doesn't support it, too. So, so you know. Yeah. No, well, so Khrushchev, Khrushchev loved Lysenko. He thought he was great, which is really so, like, yeah, you know, maybe, uh, maybe they shouldn't have followed this nut job. Um, <laughs> the thing, like, the thing that's so interesting, though, as opposed to, so Lysenko made absolutely no positive contributions to science besides being an interesting footnote in people's genetics textbooks. Um, the, uh, uh, I, Ivanov. I, I, Ivanov. Yeah. Um, Ivanov actually ended up, um, really benefiting animal husbandry. His methods of, um, like his methods of artificial insemination and collecting the samples and everything mm. actually are still are like really foundational to the field, which is really interesting to me. Um, so I wonder if when they teach it, I should have asked, I should have asked Katie this. I wonder if when they teach that in vet school, they're like, you'll never guess where this came from. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, people would, we, people would bring their horses from all over the world or, or at least the breeders would, would go to him for, uh, um, uh, to, to teach this, you know, these right. techniques and stuff. So, yeah. And he, would, and, and, and he was like, hey, and look at what I do on the side. <laughs> right, right, right. He was, he was like, he had a spray bottle for the, for the orangutan. He was like, get off of her. Stop it. You know, it's like, oh, geez. I, I love, I, I love that he was like, wow, I did such work making faster, stronger horses. Let's make a cow to lope. <laughs> Like, yeah, he's, he's just duct taping animals together. <laughs> yeah. 
This is like this. This sounds like your stereotypical like. Look, Igor, it's alive. I'm telling you, it's like there was like yeah, no. The, I mean, the Soviet the Soviet uh, Soviet Union was was the penultimate mad science uh, mad science playground. One of the, one of the weirdest things about it. One of the weirdest things about this, by the way, was that um, the Soviets had this tendency because you know. A, the production was completely inefficient and nothing high-tech or nothing really good uh, actually went down to the public. Because uh, like on my previous year's 1st of April episode, guys uh, were speaking about music there. We, we swapped shows then. And yeah, and I spoke this about my dad because, you know, dad played bass for an orchestra for 20 years, like a natural, natural national opera orchestra, but he was also a punk. So uh, he built his own electric guitar because, he you know... W- with like some wood and copper wire because he really really just couldn't buy just basic electric guitars at the same time the soviets for publicity efforts like whatever americans built soviets had to also build but they could only build like one or two of them then they were of superior quality and awesome and would be shown in the news but people would never see it and this is why soviets invented the first electronical music instruments no seriously uh, like synthesize, synth- how was it? Like synthesizer? synthesizers. Yeah, yeah, that thing. Those things born in Soviet Union. <laughs> oh uh, wow! Also, the first instrument. Um, I I forgot. I forgot its name. I, I, I didn't intend to bring this up, but yeah, there is this weird Soviet electronical music instrument which was operated. It had like two antennas. One of them was straight. Another one was a loop, and you kind of wave oh, your arms around it. I love those it. things. Yeah, Soviets made the, Soviets made that too. But I, I didn't I didn't intend to bring this up. Uh, it'll be in the show notes. I'll, I'll Google I'll Google the name and pick it. But this would happen. This would happen with everything in the Soviet Union. Uh, hmm. at, the, at the very same time, in the in the research, like when you were a kid at school, all the textbooks basically mentioned that the, the Russians invented everything. Like we had the first airplanes because you know even before brothers right did their experiments there was some russian somewhere who did something semi-related to this never succeeded but it still counts same as we <laughs> we beat thomas alveris and everything but besides all this crazy like and even though making human chimpanzee hybrids uh, is is pretty crazy nothing kind of beats the soviet psychic research and then this this yeah. this will go crazy because the soviets took it really really seriously like, they hired a shaman for the Moscow 1980 Olympics to make sure weather was okay. <laughs> and it was. Secondly, they... I'll, and again, I'll, I'll do this together with uh, with Astonishing Legends at one point. I, I intend to poke them until they agree with this, because the, the goes blinding. <laughs> well, we'll do an episode on Vanga. You know, the, the Bulgarian fortune teller or something, something. Eastern European Nostradamus, essentially, which lived in Soviet era. And the thing is... Even though the Soviet Union was completely atheistic and like militantly atheistic to the point where they just demolished church- churches and-, and turned them into like even the cultural value of, of churches was like alien to them. They-, they they didn't care about history and culture even to the point of-, of hating religion that much. And they hated all the supernatural things except psychics because they firmly believed it would be like a form of just just unexplained sci- unexplained science and as much as i read on this turns out your cia took it very seriously too and there mm-hmm. were discussions in america about the psychic gap mm-hmm. and one of the weirdest things is that uh, one of the more famous psychics who died in uh, at the age of 65 in 2015 was a russian astrologist and a psychic healer named juna 
She was the personal healer, personal psychic healer and personal astrologist for Leonid Brezhnev. She also claimed that she had the power to prolong life by 100 years, but, you know, she, she died, basically. <laughs> and, uh... It was a curse. Her, she did for say, everyone her real name, her, her <laughs> didn't want didn't to spread around too much. By the way, her I real guess. name was Yevgenia Davitashvili, and she was actually, like, KGB took her from her home and brought her to Brezhnev's deathbed in the hospital where he was living with his artificial kidney, just try to save him. Did it work? Not really, and thank god it didn't. Then again, conspiracy theories started about this and people started loving her more when Brezhnev died. Same as the fact that we're uh, very Jew-friendly here in Latvia because it's a popular conspiracy theory that Jews killed Stalin. And (laughs) and everywhere else in the world would be like, oh, again, Jews and their conspiracy theories, but over here it's like, hey, Jews, awesome, awesome job, you guys. It's nice to have a positive conspiracy theories about the Jews. Usually, usually it's pretty it's pretty bad here. Yeah, uh, but this is this is one of the things there. But but yeah, also take a note that all all the Soviet anecdotes uh, are basically made in the city of Odessa, where uh, which was basically run by a Jewish organized crime syndicate in the Soviet era. So they all come from this. And Jew and our national like Soviet slang name for a joke was Chochma, which is uh, which is like in Yiddish it means wisdom. So the the Ashkenazi <laughs> culture just just was there everywhere, anyways. But yeah, so they really hired psychic healers and they did these, they did a lot of research and I've read some really crazy stuff like how Soviet special services spent a lot of time in Tibet searching for Shambhala mm-hmm. because of a certain man like Nikolai Rerich. Uh, and he went there, and he apparently had went there in, during the Russian Empire, but they, they, took this very, they, they took this very seriously and they had a lot of funding there. And like I said before, I watched the, this James Randi's show, and he went there to a Russian science lab where they tested out psychics, and he found the research a bit sketchy, but but he couldn't, he couldn't like, state, he couldn't really prove that the guy was just cheating. He could, he, as usual, just shown how he could trick them, but it was, it wasn't as conclusive as usual. See, the thing is, right now, today, up until this day, the Russian government funds a TV program called Battle of the Extrasenses. And they just take, like, volunteers from, from Russia and all over the area. And they have, like, scientists and magicians and everything in the jury, and they perform various tasks. Like, not just one task. No, th- there's a whole season of this. It's like Survivor, but for psychics. And they have to do... <laughs> great. And they have to do... And they have to do various, various things. And, uh, you know... And the tasks are really difficult. For example, like, uh, the... the like the guys, and some of them claim to just be shamans. Some of them claim to be like satanists. Some of them just claim to be psychics, and they have these these tasks. For example, like in in the, like in a trunk of a car, like there there are fifteen identical cars in the garage, and in one and they're like all empty except there's a golden ring placed in the trunk of one of them. Mm. So the guys have to just find it. And you know, sometimes, the, and, and it's it's crazy, like this, for example, the, they're, they're being brought to some random place where um, a murder took, took place somewhere, like, way ago, and various completely dissociated tasks, you know what? I, I'll try to find, the, I'll try to find some episodes which maybe have English subtitles, because I'm very skeptical about all this situation, but some of the stuff there really kind of makes you think, and what's what's the more interesting part is that 
Like, you know, you can get lucky only so many times, but, but if, if the guys who win in late episodes usually... I don't know, maybe it's just tricky tricky editing, because, you know, you have to trust mm-hmm. the, the makers of the show, obviously. But some of the stuff really is surprising, and if you can find Battle of the Extra Senses uh, with English subtitles on YouTube, please, please do give it a watch. It's, it's really I've, I've got to check that out. That's it's state it's a state funded like, show. Yeah, uh, I'm a shaman, so I'm not gonna like uh, uh, psychokinetically set uh, do it, or do pyrokinetically do it, do it. set that orphanage on fire. I'm gonna one of the shamans a was a fucking Afghanistan war veteran who spoke with the spirits of his dead comrades who had died there. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's amazing! It's <laughs> it's just amazing uh, but the weirdest part is the Soviet government like the Russian government funds this show now and and this is again conspiracy stuff but we can get into this I have enough beer, beer and we have plenty of time see the thing is they really <laughs> did a lot of research on this and they really really trusted what was going on there and apparently uh, they they also have shot a bunch of these psychics when they predicted the collapse of the Soviet Union. Like, a, a very famous Latvian psychic who died in the gulags, uh, his, like, his diary got back in Latvia and he said that the Soviet Union shall collapse in the year where, like, which is equal from the both ends. So everyone was like, 1991 or 2002? And 1991 it was! So that, that, that's shady, but that's one of the things in, in the tradition here. But they really trusted them. When, when the, the psychics gave things which are like detrimental to the Soviet Union, and sometimes they did, they, they would be shot. Uh, and this trust was interesting because the Russians have their own kind of area 51 where they keep stuff from Tungutska and all these, all these, like I said, like David said about Dyatlov Pass and all this stuff. And a lot of these documents are still very secret. And the weirdest part is if, uh, you know, they must have they must have found something, even if they had like only proven some random unrelated theory there or something. But so psychic research is top secret. I can't access it, even though like how many years have passed and a lot of these experiments were done in the fifties and the sixties, and it's like crazy. It's just it's just really weird. And about Dyatlov Pass, and I, I will want David to comment on this one because uh, this is the weird thing. Dyatlov Pass was televised. People really knew about it. Newspapers wrote about it. And that was very weird in the Soviet Union, because... Uh, and this is also the reason why in Astonishing Legends, uh, when they did the Tamam, Tamam Shudman, you know, the Summerton Man, uh, why I instantly debunked all the theories about the KGB, because we knew how it was like when KGB grabs you and kills you. It's like this, <laughs> you are taken away and you are never heard from again. And if you try to write the letters to your relatives who are in the gulags, then you get the response that they have been moved, and if you write too many letters, then, you know people are starting to look at you very suspiciously. 
Yeah, so KGB did their did their terrible crime things without any fuss. It was never mentioned anywhere. So the fact that it was publicized, it was in the news, well, kind of for us over here in the Soviet Union meant that it was evidence that KGB didn't do it. Because whatever KGB did was like it was covered up always. So it was it was sort of a mystery, and I don't know what I don't know what happened there, but it's one of the very very weird things. There are many theories about about like. What was what was going on there? One of the one one of the favorite ones, <laughs> one of the more favorite things that was that usually people spoke about at the time, as and, and read reports was that, you know, there are local people there, and where, the the part they were parking in, it's it's a tribal territory, and there are still parts in like, and I I, I guess this was again on astonishing legends when they did about the Mothman series, and I and I provided some reports on the Amur mm-hmm. region. It's very popular in these areas, but trust me, the, there are regions in Russia where people don't speak Russian, which is essentially tribal territory. So, I, so I wouldn't. So, the most popular thing was that mm. you know, they are young tourists. They have acquired from the local tribal shamans, which are just there, some of the some of the nice, nice uh, psychedelic thingies. So people just thought that they they just might have mixed mixed vodka with heavy psychedelics to have that authentic trip. That's 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 the that's the com- kind of a common solution here. Oh. It's the the is it the Mani tribe? Something that there, there uh, I, I don't know I don't know like all that? the Siberian tribes, but that was the, the most the common common thing going on there. That's uh that's interesting. I hadn't heard that that theory. There's a a good book uh about it called Dead Mountain that goes over a lot of uh, uh, fun theories and. One of them that that they kind of settle on was an a weird infrasound um, theory where s- something about the shape of uh, the mountain with the the weather, the way the wind uh, kicks up around there, and where they were camping um, caused a weird like drop in pressure, like a sudden mm-hmm. drop in pressure, something like that, that really messed yeah. with their. Uh, heads like it, it screwed up their their. You know, I, I would I would buy that you know because interesting. Stuff, stuff like I, I, I when I read about the um, effects of infrasound and about all these haunted houses which have this wind producing these infrasound thingies. Well, I'm not sensitive to this, but honestly, Alice almost uh, Alice almost punched me once because I, I I you know she's very sensitive to this stuff. And when I when I when I experimented with this, just trying to play this in my home, Alice Alice got really really sick and, and creeped out. <laughs> Like and 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 she had a panic attack basically. Wow. Then I got punched. So you know. <laughs> the interesting That's thing how is, you solve everything, right? They the could. They just couldn't solve. But in the brave so in, in good Soviet no. tradition, if I was only, committing experiments with unwilling test subjects. What's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the interesting thing the interesting thing with the infrasound arguments always I think are. Um, one of the really cool aspects of that that's often overlooked is the literal effects of infrasound on the body. Like, forget the ear and whatever. Um, the effect of the effect of high frequency, um, inaudible waves on, say, your perception of um, pain, even can be quite powerful. So, we have a. Uh, there's a crowd control device that the U.S. Uh, military uses. Um, I don't think they're actually allowed to use it on crowds, but I know they've shown its effectiveness 
where um, you basically are shooting um, a sound wave that makes people think that they're on fire is basically what that. it does. Yeah. And um, and then the other, the other interesting thing I think that's always kind of overlooked is um, like resonant um, – and we talk about this on my show a lot because it's, like it's one of my favorite things and it grosses Marie out so bad. So I think it's really funny um, is uh, infrasound – Causing the eyeball to um well, to resonate basically. So your the, your old, eye- the old jiggle eye. Well, yeah. So your your eye your eye you know your cornea will literally or you know your I don't know I don't know eye physiology all that well. Frankly. Look, I'm no eye guy. Okay, right. I'm not, I'm not an listen. I'm not an eye scientist. And okay? we apologize to all the um, eye so scientists out, out there who listen to our but, show. <laughs> right. AKA I don't, I don't mean to offend any any. Uh, optometrists or ophthalmologists or whatever the heck they're they're calling themselves these days but uh <laughs> but the idea is that the the eye like the liquid within the eyeball can actually be um can actually be have very small perturbations placed upon it by the application of some kind of um again like a, a high frequency sound wave or even just a resonant like a wind like wind can be so um a wind flow can act on the eye in such a way that it causes uh, resonance and so your eye will shake and you'll start to see for example a dark shape in your peripherals oh man right and so that's what they that's part of what what one of the arguments is for um for shadow people is that it's actually your eyeball just shake like you're in a you're in a, an old house some kind of pipe or something is causing a resonant frequency you can't hear, but you sure feel it. And so your eyeball is literally shaking around in its socket. And so you're seeing all kinds of weird stuff because your eye is moving in a way that your brain can't account for. Um, so pretty, pretty, I mean, I think that's kind of scary anyways. Anything with the eye is scary, <laughs> but, you know. Um, oh, well, but yeah, it's kind of, it's it's kind of, everything's kind of it's interesting, but I want to I continue with the psychics team because I have another one and like the most famous one out there. It was, she was called Nina Kulagina. And she was amazing because uh, Kulagina was born in 1926. She joined the Red Army at the age 14 to join a tank regiment to fight in the World War II. That, that's that's a great start already, okay? Badass. Uh, and after the war, she, she just became a housewife. Sure. Uh, but she really became a part of major international discourse and everything in the 60s. Because then her, her psychic abilities were studied. And, like, black and white films, silent black and white films were produced in the Soviet Union. And they, they can be easily found on the internet, you can just check them. And apparently she, had been, she was able to move objects on a table in front of her without touching them. And, yeah, this was, these films were apparently made in the Soviet labs under controlled conditions. And that, that caused a lot of lot of excitement. Of course, everything there is disputed. What she did and every and, and like J- with the James Randi and everything, but she really did that. And uh, in the Soviet Union, like about forty to fifty scientists studied her, including two of them who were Nobel Nobel laureates, like you mentioned earlier. Like they really, really put a lot of effort in her. And and she could, like like she could also, uh, she could also, like uh, separate broken eggs that were submerged in water that she could like like under like you you break an egg into water and she can then with her mind separate the whites and the yolks or something 
It was it was weird and and, and uh, party apparently trick. they they really they really did this. Her heartbeat and electro like they measured her heartbeat, brainwaves, and electromagnetic field. They took it extremely extremely seriously, mm. and and apparently she had found this because uh, she noticed that items move moved around her house at random when she was angry. Well, she died in 1990, age 63, just just before the world could just just look at her and experiment with this. So uh, James Randi and other 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 debunking people couldn't get to her. But yeah, this is this is one of the things, and this and this is this is one of the things that that maybe actually uh, this this whole taking psychics extremely seriously was one of the things which uh, a lot of people speculate that was actually done on purpose because you know space race. Because uh, we, because you know, there was space race, and then there was this psychic race. And what if the Soviets could move ahead in the the psychic race? Because honestly, at one point, seriously, both governments had taken it so seriously that even an even assumed thing was was just crazy. Then again, then again, weird things happened in the space race too. Mm -hmm. Have you guys heard about the lost, lost cosmonauts theory? Yeah, heard of it. Yeah, no, it, oh, it actually so makes crazy, perfect yeah. sense. <laughs> Well, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, crazy in that it's it's so interesting. See, the thing is, the thing is, I didn't know it was it was a crazy theory because uh, for us over here, all the space race was so hidden and like so obscured from from everyday life that we were completely sure that this must have ha must have happened even like just as soon as gotten launched. It was just that I didn't know it was a conspiracy theory mm -hmm. because ob obviously the Russians must have like. Shot someone up because they told the, told the world that it had happened only like forty minutes after Gagarin was in orbit. Because because there was super secret. So mm. the idea about the fact that Soviets must have shot someone up there before who just died or or didn't like died on launch or something it made perfect sense. Knowing the fact that people died in training, I wouldn't even discount oh, it. Yeah. It's just that we will never know the names of those people because obviously they were purged from all documents instantly afterwards. Because Soviets were quite adapted to this, like even during the Stalin's era, the the unpersons are to be purged from the party, obviously. But one thing I want to mention when when it comes to crazy Soviet mm. science-related things is, and I I made I'm, when I made my space race episode, uh, I spoke about Gagarin and all these issues, but I missed out on a very important fact, which I then then later la then later mentioned on Rumor Flies show, which uh, a lot of my listeners don't listen to, so I just want to repeat this here because it's too great to miss out. So what actually happened when Gagarin landed? Because you see, at the point, at the moment when Gagarin landed, it was like a 40 minute delay before, like, he landed in the middle of Ukraine in between two coal hosts in the middle of nowhere. At that time, people were still just getting by the radio information that, oh, Gagarin is just flying over, flying like over Africa. Because there was this delay because of all the secrecy. So Gagarin lands there. And the first thing that happens is that, as previously we had the famous U-2 incident, the local Ukrainian peasants decide that, holy shit, it's an American spy, let's go kill him with pitchforks! <laughs> so they do. And like I mentioned in my Space Race episode, it was just great that right before the launch, someone had written SSSR on his, like, helmet with, with paint. Because then he started explaining that, no, 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 you, uh, no, 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 it's, it's our guys, it's our guys, it's okay. He apparently caused uh, he apparently caused two young Kolho's daughters to pass out from excitement because oh my god something's landing because he didn't really land in his ship he was dropped out and he landed in the cap in a huge capsule with a parachute with another capsule coming in and the thing is right 
he had to explain- he was held under arrest by the local villagers with pitchforks and torches, literally, until the KGB came to pick him up. <laughs> now the thing is, the thing is that further on, as the Soviets didn't know where he would land, there was one capsule with Gagarin himself, and the other capsule which contained a gun with bullets in it to fight off bears. And that was also a common practice with all the Soviet cosmonauts. We would have guns with bullets there, because, hey, Soviet Union was one-sixth of the Earth, and most of it is fucking Siberia. If you land in the middle of nowhere in Siberia, it's cold, and there are bears out there. So, it had, it had like, like food supplies, <laughs> high-quality, high-nutritional-value food supplies, gun in it, an inflatable boat, like, you know, some, something, essentially enough, enough stuff so that, in case of everything, because this being the Soviet Union, Mr. Gagarin could last for a week. The problem is, it was during already the times when the Soviet, like, good high quality food all went to the army and there were, like, massive supply shortages everywhere. So what did the locals did when the Gagarin was taken away? They stripped fucking clean everything from the pods. They ate the conserves meant for him. They stole the gun. <laughs> they stole the boat. They stole the fucking foreign currency supplies which were which were then put there. And when the authorities came back, there were like people taking off the high quality metal plates from the space capsule, and then later some of them were used to fix roofs on Kolhos buildings because of the lack of because of the lack of materials. Say, so like when they came back, when they came back, literally the KGB uh, and the, all, all the government people, what they found was some local farmers using a welding welding torch to cut to cut like all the space capsule into pieces so that they could just sell it as as like like. Like, just metal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> nice heat shield is plow now. Right, yeah. I love, well, I love the idea of, like, the the Soviet engineers and physicists sitting around a room and trying to calculate their, uh, calculating the trajectory of landing, and one of them is like, well, how sure are we he's going to land, like, how sure are we he's going to land here? Well, you know, we're not that sure. All right. Well, what if he doesn't land there? Give him a gun. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we got my gun. That's fine. Yeah, you know, plus plus or minus gun. That's fine. So we're, the we're but, but the study continues it's from no there because everyone got scot free of this because Mr. Gagarin specifically asked, you know, not to shoot anyone from involved people. The only one who got in trouble was the guy who stole the flare gun because his kids tried to play with it and the foreign currency because that was kind of you had to open it, open the pack in a certain way or the, or the paint will spray all over that place. But yeah, like, uh, some stuff was confiscated, but most people got off scot-free, so then Gagarin later on came back to the local Kolhos village, and he actually, uh, and, and it ended up by getting, like, a car for one of the villagers, because he asked, hell, what, what would you want, like, what are your problems in life, what could the Soviet government do, and like, and I, I will arrange anything for you, and like, the news cameras are there, like, filming everything in, in live television, and the Soviet government is pretending to be very nice, so... Yeah, they, they now have, a, in a small village in Ukraine, they have still this memorabilia from, like, Gagarin's first trip, and there are still buildings whose roof has been patched with space capsule materials, and one of the guys got, got, a, got, got like, a, a car out of this, a Volga, which was extremely rare, because you had to wait 20 years in line for this. Ooh. What, okay, what, the part that, the part of that story that I find, uh, I don't really understand is, a, sp a, a, a thing from space lands in your field. And the first thing you ask him, you know, he's, oh, can I, I need some help, please. I just came from space. No, and no, you no. ask him, well, how no, much no, no. money do you have? The first, the f why did he have he foreign currency? It's important. 
He came no, from no, space! The, the first thing like, that they did was shit. trying to kill him because he obviously was an American spy. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> I just wanted to Because they, like... they literally stripped Kalina. And you know what the fun part was? Because mm, we, we lived in the Soviet society, a very civil society, so all the supplies from Gagarin's other capsule with the materials, it wasn't taken out randomly. No. The director of the Kolkhoz came out and spread every, go every good equally. It was an organized social distribution of, of material wealth. As it should be. Good. <laughs> good. So the, with, the, with the psychic research, did you... So I looked. I looked into the science, science side of it. Oh yeah, right? Mister, Mister, Mister Chris. Found I, I, some by the way, uh, so I, 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 well, as you are a PhD student, I want, I want to tell you one interesting thing. Just uh, tell your student, tell your undergrads that you'll, you'll give them poorer grades if they don't listen to dark myth shows. Man, it, it works perfectly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, when I first started my show, so I'm I'm from the Mad Scientist podcast, by the way. I don't think I've said that yet. When I when I first started my show, the only listeners I had were undergrads, and, and so like people that I had taught, and so they would come up to me and be like, "This is like listening to one of your lectures. Like this is just as effective as one of your lectures." And I was like, "Oh great, that's horrible news. <laughs> it's not, you know, because like in lecture I would break off into these like wild science tangents, and you know what I mean? Like, oh god." Yeah, I, I will have to. I will have to let them know for sure. I'll be like, "Listen, guys, you want an extra five points on your uh, on your final? <laughs> you let us know." So review on iTunes or fail. Review on iTunes or fail. Right, right, right. And Show it better be five stars. <laughs> With <laughs> oh man, we already have to like. We already have to bribe them to uh, to give reviews of the classes. I don't, I don't know if we'll be able to get them on iTunes. Oh, oh no. Oh boy. So uh, did did you find um, so I so with they actually built a giant academic research facility. They called it the Academ Gorodok, the Science City in um, Novosibirsk. Or Novosibirsk in Siberia, Western Siberia. Yeah. And that was, so they actually built two. They built a fake, they built a fake parapsychology center, which they called the Institute of Problems of Information Transmission. No, they, built, they built, they built the a real fake one, everything. Which was in they, had a modal, they had a modal Paris built so that they could like send people from Kolkhoz into foreign trips as rewards. So they, so they would take them to this modal sized Paris where everyone would, for some reason, speak Russian, but nobody knew because they were just wait, wait, walking around on tours and everyone supported communism and was super friendly with a modal Eiffel Tower even there. So, you know. That's a me. Okay, so that okay, well that that just blew me away. I had I did not know that story. Oh my goodness. Um, what so what they thought was going on with all this psychic stuff? They thought that it was, um, they thought that it was something that they called biophotons. David, David, which is make like a joke about biophotons um, in your next episode. That is the first time I hear biophotons. It's amazing. They so they thought basically what this was they they so cells for cells like to communicate with each other they have to send electrical or, or not electrical they have to send chemical signals so like um 
So like if a cell is, that's actually what a big part of a lot of cancer research now is trying to find the signals that cause a cell to go from being uh, metastatic or from going to be non-metastatic to metastatic or um, changing them from being able to like when they hit each other, they just bounce versus when they hit each other, they slide past. And so that's like the beginning of uh, metastatic cancer proliferation. But anyways, what so where they came up with this idea was they put cells in two they put cells like in two petri dishes and they would perturb some of the cells and they would see if the other cells would respond in some way and so because they were kind of separated they would they thought that they would see changes and so they con- they considered that well this must be some way that the cells are transmitting information from one another in a way that we can't we we can't stop with this cell dish right so they're separated but if you kill these cells, these ones seem to proliferate more and more quickly than they normally would. And so they call that a biophoton. It's basically this this uh, this particle of psychic energy that's released when cells are damaged in some way. And so uh, they to test this, they did all kinds of crazy stuff. So they uh, they did one experiment where they put um, it was two populations of mice. And they could see each other, but they couldn't, like, you know, there was no interaction between them besides sight. And so one group of mice, they starved to death. And the other group, they allowed free access to food. And when the other group was starving, the the group that had free access would just gorge themselves. Right? And so they, they claimed that this was, um, this was like the psychic energy of the starving mice um, causing the other mice to be like, we got to eat our brethren are dying or something. And so this was their whole, like, this was their whole idea was that basically like you could transmit this, uh, distress signal to other organisms somehow. And it was by this bio photon that that, they never were able to measure or anything. That means that all of you guys are just impulsively buying more and more of the, of the stuff and just, just, yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of, well, that's kind of like why I'm so drunk all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like their idea. So, like that was their whole thing was it's like it's this uh, yeah, like this create like a distress signal. And so today, what they do is they use um, true random number generators. So do, a true do, do, random a true number random number generator, number generator computer uh, always rolls a four, and you can't disprove it. <laughs> It's, it's like, it basically uses, it uses entropy to get, um, so it uses like random expansion or other kind of things to get a a value that it can put out. And so what a lot of current psychic research tries to do is it tries to influence those random number generators. So it's like a person sits in a room and thinks and is like odd numbers, odd numbers, odd numbers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so um, the idea is that you can interact and influence these the random events um, of like, you know, atoms colliding in a vacuum space to give you a random number or whatever, which I mean, you know, what they don't what they don't explain is how the hell do you get from random particles colliding or changing something as simple, you know, not simple, but changing something like small entropy, you know, um, small entropic changes between states to get random numbers how you go from that stupid thing to getting but to dude, like this you is, know this is, 
moving Wait, an uh, object this, or something. Uh, I'm gonna let you finish, yeah, we, but this is this. You 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 actually, Dave, have to comment on this one because uh, you you'll be stunned, Chris, because you see over here, well, in the ex-Soviet Union sphere, this whole extreme belief in weird things is 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 extremely prevalent. For example, our lead lead chemist of of the like mm-hmm. man, like chairman of Latvian Chemists Association, our lead chemical scientist here, the guy who invented the Mildrenauts, the the brand new drug which was like a heart medicine which is now declared a doping as well you know the, the recent one he invented that himself he firmly mm. believed that he dreamt about it and the supernatural entity gave him the formula while he was sleeping also him and the mm. chairman of our latvian doctors association and i mentioned this on pdrp but i know a lot of people don't listen to that one are like him and our member like they they both now sit and uh, they both now advertise the health, like, health detriments of BPA and fight for the ban of BPA, but they do it at the behest of our memory water, uh, memory water company, who produces memory water, which they bottle in only non-BPA plastic bottles. And this is, this is the leader of our, like, chemist association and our top, top doctor producing these. So, David, this is your specialty about random people mm. spouting bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We we did a whole episode on psychokinesis, uh, episode 103 on Blurry Photos, and we talked about the whole uh, history of people trying to uh, mess with the random number generators and, and how they... I think we even talked about Nina uh, Kulagana in there, too. Um, and, and just the 99% of everything was just either the experiments didn't come up with, uh, enough of a, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, outside of the, um, uh, standard, uh, mm. it wasn't statistically what, relevant, statistically change. relevant. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't outside the standard deviation of what would be like an anomaly. Um, or like it was just straight up people like blowing under their breath to move a pencil. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real psychic. Um but and it's funny that you that you were talking about the biophotons, because I found something about uh they were into like a lot of what they what they called bioplasma. Yeah. Uh, it was a theoretical energy field that they thought might exist. Um, possibly made up of electrons. <laughs> like, uh, they, they also believed a lot in, in back to what you were saying, Christophs, they did a lot of work with, um, psychic, uh, research in, in particular telepathy because they wanted to be able to have a ship to shore communication mm-hmm. with submarines <laughs> Uh, without you know, there that way there's no way to intercept. Battle the, uh, the filthy capitalists! I can understand. They they won't. Yeah, yeah, mind to mind. They should. They should. They they should have done vodka to vodka. Uh, I mean, to that would be more efficient. <laughs> well, that's what they that's what they started with, and that's why they didn't get anywhere. <laughs> they uh, but in circles. Apparently, they also wanted to develop uh, precognitive abilities in cosmonauts so they could, quote, foresee and and avoid accidents in space. 
<laughs> so, and you know, and, and if if you don't have the equipment for it, at least you've got your mind. You could uh, you could <laughs> you could foresee a, a bad a comet coming at your your craft. But yeah. uh, I, I mean, none of the stuff none none of the stuff turned out <laughs> any results. <laughs> <laughs> At least nothing that was a statistical anomaly. Um, yeah, they also wanted to dis- disrupt electrical s- uh, systems on ICBMs. They wanted to, to ha- I guess, have an army of psychics to just be like, wom, 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 and then the bomb just explodes in the air. Uh, I don't, such a I don't good, know. Such a good R- right plan. Now, right now, the only such thing that uh, comes from the Russian government to Latvia en masse are uh, random food supplements. I mean, Alex Jones and Dr. Oz would be ashamed of the amount of fucking food supplements that we get here. They cure everything. Like, all of the things. <laughs> completely. The, the, the only... Yeah. The, by the way, I have a food supplement which I want to patent you know, and I want, I want to spread around with you guys. It'll be amazing. Like, it, the, the chemicals the chemicals inside can just be, like, pure sugar. It doesn't matter. The thing is... <clears throat> like, uh, pills that make your penis smaller... No, you know, I, I knew, but but they would have That's to be right. packed in this huge bottle with like letters on them, like penis decreasing pills. And you would like like our our auditory, our guys who live in dorms, like really those frat boys. And you know, they, they you just buy a pack and you put it in the most visible place ever. And then your pals come over and you say to them, "Oh, come on! I mean, what what, what are these? What are these, Dave? And and, uh, and the Dave, um, I'm sorry, just random name. No offense, David. But but then then Dave then Dave goes like, "Oh man, I have to drink these. Otherwise, my 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 dick's so big. No one wants to do it with me. You know." Right, my doc, my, my doctor keeps telling me it's making. They me can pass be like pure sugar. No one really gives it. No one like. These. I would totally yeah. sell those. I just, I just need to find an investor. You know what? We so, might have. Side, we might. <laughs> you might have something there. Listen, if you if you just say that it also it also cures inflammation and uh, <laughs> and increases memory, you might have a market. I'm side effects you. may include offspring <laughs> having smaller penises. <laughs> right from the light No, but really, school. I don't know. I, I, I want to speak yeah. about it because oh, th- this is... See, uh, medicine was very much controlled in the Soviet era, and uh, I read a lot about this. There's a, there was a reason why a local perfume company could make trainoi, like, essentially spirits with food coloring and a bit of perfume in it, because uh, Soviets didn't have enough like they either did something terribly polluting, but all the food na- food colorings and all the food taste and everything was very natural. So that's why they could they could kind of do it, but uh, I don't know. And I want to touch this because this is a fun subject we were on, the, on we're on our fun first April episode. And I know that you both are very much pissed off by sham food sham food supplements. <laughs> so have you seen any yes. of of the Russian ones in your end? Over over here we have uh, something we, called uh, we will soon. Which is which is which is which is apparently it's just, it's it's tied to something. Like, like it's technically. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! How do you hold this? Um, that stuff that's in trees and then it kind of seeps out, which you can burn. Yeah, that thing. It's it's sap. tree sap from. It's made from tree sap, and it apparently curl. It apparently cures cancer because everything cures all cancers whatsoever. Where I grew up. And where my mom still lives in in uh, New York City, 
we had in the last like say like last 20 years we had a huge influx of um immigrants from former soviet countries right so everywhere on every street corner you see in big cyrillic letters aptieka right so there's all these pharmacies all over the place and so um and a lot of them will sell like uh like russian uh like Russian home remedies. Yeah, and, and these stuff, these were really right? popular because and so real my, I medicine know my grandma wasn't that available in the Soviet era. Yeah, well, so like my grandma, my grandma, um, who grew up in um, former Yugoslavia, like still, um, still takes like just stupid amounts of random supplements and stuff. But we've, I don't know, like, I've never really had access or I've never really looked at too much, like, the specifically Russian ones. Um, but I thought it was just lemons, Chris. She did say she, oh, no, it's not just lemons. Listen, we, one time, when we, she's going to kill me if she ever hears these. If my grandma ever hears these shows, I am just going to be killed. She'll just murder me. Right? It's just going to be the end of Oh, it. welcome, welcome. I live I live with death threats on a daily know, basis. You, you like actually, the other day, you actually have like scary death threats as opposed to my grandma being like, but, "How but, dare you?" Um, but that by the way, is, that, that by the way is the most fun stuff you see. I sit on these like history history podcaster sites like uh, on Facebook and, and there was this guy I, I'm I just can you can continue on later Chris but I just have to tell this story but the thing is one of the guys are like oh I'm gonna make a new podcast what, what do I do with my podcast and everything and and, and can I gonna make black humor in it and I'm like yeah you know until you piss off a whole country and they send you death threats and you're, 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 you can go blacker and shit and he's like oh my god you gotta be kidding me and I'm like oh no not really but why don't you get used to that I mean I didn't want to go to Russia either way and he was like, "What are you serious, man? What is going on?" And and then I understood that some people really uh, haven't gotten used to death threats because of their work. So uh, it, it's kind of weird. Yeah, all I get, all I get is people. Uh, people will s- occasionally tell me, you know, oh, you're, you'll be sorry when you die from toxins, or <laughs> or whatever, some kind of bullcrap medical thing. Man, hydrogen no. monoxide. I know, seriously, dude. You- oh yeah, that that thing's gonna kill you dead. I know, is it? It's gonna kill you as until a, you die. As opposed to Putin having you on a list of like annoying, you know, like like annoying people to take care of, um, dude. No, but seriously, lately, lately, by the way, chemtrails have gotten popularity in Latvia. Have oh, they're so silly. So it is. Uh- I follow these guys on Facebook. It's the way how you filthy Americans control us Europeans and make us do your bidding. Because you give orders to Brussels and then Brussels controls all of us. So we, we just, I just did an interview with And this is the best quote ever. This is the best quote ever because, you know, the shit that pro-Putin media throws at us is crazy because recently, uh, during the latest Russia scandal in the United States, what the Russian newspapers over here were publishing were texts about how uh, CIA has just leaked documents proving that 23 Soviet soldiers were killed by UFOs, and the CIA had stolen these documents from KGB the first hand. <laughs> Such a... But yeah, literally, and this is the next quote, <clears throat> United States of America want to turn all of us into gay fascists. Nice. But yeah, no. Okay, 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 guys, check this out. There's a conspiracy theory in Russia among Russian mysticists today that Trump is second coming of Khrushchev. I believe it. You know why? You know why? The, and here's the evidence. One, he's not very well educated. He comes from a simple family, simple background. 
He wants to do super projects. It's kind of use, yeah, kind of useless, but still super projects like the wall versus Khrushchev's. Let's plow all the steps and create a massive catastrophe and things. Not a, all of them, both Khrushchev and Trump hate the establishment. Like Khrushchev took off his shoe and smacked the podium, right? Both of them are very pro-common people, but are misguided by their bureaucracy, who essentially controls them by their advisors. They both are very interested into active use of nuclear weapons and seek to provoke. They're very provocative. <laughs> and a Russian astrologist has come forth and said that yes, actually, Trump was des Trump right now in America is a punishment for Trump because he was he's a reincarnation of Khrushchev because Khrushchev is as a punishment for Khrushchev for all the bad things he did to the Russian people. So now he has to lead the American people. <laughs> Well, I wish I wish someone had told us that during the election. <laughs> I, I this think is that's this about is the nice thing. Trump right. is actually a reincarnation of Nikita Khrushchev. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't know about all Remember that. Remember, Nikita Khrushchev like... was the only Soviet general secretary who didn't die while in the office. Like really, <laughs> everyone else died in the office. The same question is, I have, like, uh, sat and answered questions about, like, and then I get random emails, like, how many prime ministers does the Soviet Union have? And my answer is, like, uh, I was gonna one. say, like, what, like, two, like, yeah, no, yeah, one, one, right? <laughs> it's, uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, man, but yeah, please, please, uh, we, I have, I have the most favorite, like, the most awesome guests here, uh, David, Flora, from, from Blurry Photos, please, tell us about Blurry Photos, to the people My who pleasure. still don't know about it. Yeah, uh, so I... Uh, they shall be let go alone in Siberia after they plug their shows, so it's fine. Let's see them I, uh, run to America. I co-host a podcast called Blurry Photos. Uh, you can find it on iTunes and wherever fine podcasts are sold. Uh, we're at blurryphotos.org. We explore um, unexplained mysteries... Uh, weird people, sites, and events in history, uh, paranormal stuff, conspiracies, and what we like to affectionately call New Age bullshit. Uh, and we like to approach things with a very open but skeptical mind and then call call out any any of the uh, the BS that, you know, happens to be there. Like, for example, the people who say they can move things telekinetically but are actually just blowing their own breath. Uh, except, except, except one thing. David is a flat Earth believer. I know it. I listened All to that right. episode of that. All right. All right. <laughs> this is, they, lie, they they love getting me because they know how riled up it makes me. <laughs> yeah, listen, listen to our flat Earth episode. That might be a good uh, mm -hmm. intro into how we kind of approach things, um, doing all the research with the stuff, and then going back and being like, man. We get real angry at, at the stupidity that's that's out there in the world. But you know the weirdest part, David? I know that? that Giannis listens to me, but he hasn't written any emails to me. Because oh. he, like, knows this stuff. Because the, they, they have a Latvian listener who's Giannis, which doesn't say much to our Latvians here, because Giannis is the most popular name in Latvia, <laughs> which they have referenced multiple times. But I, I still, I still want to hang out with Giannis a bit. And I mean, like, oh, yeah. like, I don't know, but if, if I'll get a picture with Giannis and if I'll ever meet him, I'll, I'll send it, I'll send send these yeah, things to great. you because that would, <laughs> that would be just awesome. 
but but yeah yeah ch check out check out blurry photos uh, yeah they're the Thank funniest you. guys out there except the puns part puns are punishable by death and so oh yeah we do like to throw in the clever word play here and there but yeah we we also take a humorous look at, at stuff so we'll do research but we'll also uh do terrible accents <laughs> no actually your accent on Cor coral castle was uh, without without actually really great you actually fucking nailed it. On point. Those were pretty. Those sounded pretty yeah, good to me. That is that is straight up Mike Myers and and so I married an axe murderer. <laughs> <laughs> and our second comrade over here is Chris Cogswell from Man Scientist Podcast. He's the brand new Dark Lord. How does it feel to be a brand new Dark Lord? You still haven't plugged dark myths in your show. I haven't seen pictures there. Work harder, comrade, or no potato. So, so, Dark Myths is plugged. So, first off, it feels like being, you know, it just feels great. I'm very excited to be part of Dark Myths. Um, my show is the Mad Scientist Podcast. Uh, you can find me on, um, you can find me on Podbean, on iTunes, on themadscientistpodcast.com. You can find me on Stitcher now. Um, pretty much anywhere that you get, yeah, anywhere you get podcasts. Um, my logo is the one with the giant jack-o'-lantern head, so should be kind of easy to find, I'm assuming. I, uh, on the website there, we plug Dark Myths. I keep, so I actually record episodes like two months ahead of time. Or I try to. So, it's been oh, two months. He, he's just recently started, David. Yeah, he, he still just tries. <laughs> so, I know, I, I, everything is still in order somehow on my show. Um, so we, what we do basically is, so I'm, um, I'm like a working scientist and engineer. Um, so we look at the hard science and like philosophy and history of paranormal claims. And we also do, besides those like heavy episodes with like real science and everything, we also do roundtable episodes, which are kind of more like comical looks at everyday things and also answers to, uh, crazy listener questions. So uh, the next one or the most recent one we did was how much water would actually fall in 40 days and 40 nights of rain and would it flood everything? And uh, we figured out that, yes, it would <laughs> at the maximum rate of rainfall, but it also would be like significantly more water than has ever been on the surface of the earth at any given time. So I don't know how we want to count that one. But it's pretty, you know, it's pretty, pretty rough. Pretty. Oh, okay. So we get some pretty crazy questions. Can I ask you a question here, Chris? Go ahead. I want to ask you a question here. This is this is for me and for my listeners because I, I like those crazy answers. Okay, so. All right. If you would take like, like if if every Soviet citizen ever, except like Stalin himself, imagine Stalin era Soviet Union. If yeah. everyone was working in the gulag at the same time <laughs> and just mining mining whatever, like imagine everyone in forced labor camps. Yeah. How fast we could build a tank at the size of planet Earth. How fast you could build a tank the size of planet Earth. And and could we do it? Because the Soviet Union was one sixth of the planet and you know could we? Could the Soviets build a mega weapon? Essentially, this is the question is a Death Star. They want a Death Star. Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Death Star. Great. <laughs> Better idea. If for how long all the Soviet citizens would have to mine and toil and work until we could build a working Death Star to blow up the filthy United States of capitalism? I mean, all America. right. Give me a give me a couple days. 
<laughs> Let's do this. This will be answered on the next round table. This is this is the question for the next round table. Everyone, if you want the answer, check it out. I'm assuming I'm assuming the biggest honestly, I'm thinking the biggest challenge would be getting it up into space. No, you start in space. <laughs> no, no, you well, don't start in space. You start at one point on the earth and then you just build it and at one point it becomes heavier than the earth and pushes it away, but it doesn't matter. Because oh oh all God, the Soviets have moved on to the Death Star and then we blow up Earth. Take that, America! <laughs> the complexities, we are Earth now. <laughs> the complexities of this scientific challenge have gotten up exponentially. I was going to say, yeah, at this point it might be easier to just build the Death Star around the Earth. How many human know, chimp humanzees or or chumans, if you prefer? How many of those do you need to? <laughs> to yes, build? add that in. Add that in. It's great question, David. It's if, great question. If, if they once can we'll get double the, data, the production, once we'll get the data, I'll start on production. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> once I'll figure out how to make chimps. No, of <laughs> chumans. 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 For- First we need it. First we need to get some volunteers. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's not a problem. We have like a ton of volunteers. <laughs> Everyone's a volunteer if you ask him nice enough. Also, Chris, Chris, uh, it's fine. But my 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 people say you left the fridge door open. The agent is complaining. Please close it. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay, this is this is an amazing first of April episode. Thank you all for listening. Wow, uh, give 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 a give a good review and check out blurry photos if you haven't already. And Mad Scientist Podcast. And thanks, thanks guys for being here. And I hope this will this will satisfy you people for a while until I get back to my Russian Revolution series. That's Woo. a bit like worshiping chaos, but yeah. So so we go on. Whew. Okay, uh, thank you guys, and, and see you next time. See ya. Dasvidaniya, tovarishi. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The eastern border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.